0: Live from my man cave in Chesapeake, Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild. I'm your host, Blake, here to bring you the latest news, rumors, opinions, analytics, interviews, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild, Season 4, Episode 8. This is your host, Blake. On this week's episode of MLS Gone Wild, I am joined by 2015 Michigan Men's Soccer Gatorade Player of the Year two-time Big Ten men's soccer all-conference selection for Michigan State University, the 11th overall pick in the 2019 MLS Superdraft, MLS Supporter Shield champ, and one of the best left backs in all of MLS, Dewan Jones of the New England Revolution. Dewan, welcome to MLS Gone Wild.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Of course. How are you doing?
1: Doing good, man. Uh, feeling good, feeling healthy, ready for uh, this week against Dallas.
0: Yeah, we'll preview that one later on in the episode, but let's kick this episode off with some fun questions I received from Revs fans that will give us some insight into who Dewan Jones is off the pitch. Let's start with a quick game of this or that as it pertains to how you say common slang words or phrases in the Bostonian language that is so very unique, as you've probably learned over the last three years. Okay. All right. So I actually, I'll preface this with, I lived there for a summer in 2015 and I heard some of these things and I was absolutely astonished, but I'll I'll try to say it like the Bostonians bubbla or water fountain water fountain. Okay. Thank you. Good (laughs) dunks or Dunkin' Donuts,
1: Dunkin' Donuts.
0: All right. It's like a religion there. It's like a religion there, isn't it?
1: It's on every corner. Yeah. I've never seen so many Dunkin' Donuts.
0: (laughs) You stop there. Every day on the way into Gillette?
1: Man, I've only been there like once since so I've been out here, to be honest.
0: <laughs> Are you a coffee guy?
1: I'm not a coffee guy. Okay. I'm not a coffee guy. All
0: right. So we'll switch from coffee to food then. Supper or dinner? Dinner. All right, yeah, me too. All right. We're we're on the same page here. Bang a Uey or make a U-turn.
1: It, bang does a it U-E sound- <laughs> Does it, it depend on who bang you're doing? Bang a U-E sounds, yeah. Bang a Ui sounds nice. I like how that sounds, but I, I would usually just say make a U-turn. But so, I like how Benga Yui sounds.
0: <laughs> so right before the episode, I was like, you know, I want to start off with something fun and light. And I was looking up slang terms that are used in Boston. Are those things that you actually hear?
1: I've heard the Benga Yui before. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Waterfalling one, I've never heard that one. The other one.
0: Okay. Well, hopefully, hopefully the internet didn't steer me down the wrong direction. So. But I'm sure the Revs fans that will listen to this will let me know. So Revs fans, if you're listening, please let me know of those four things. What, what, what do you say? All right, but we'll keep going here. What's your favorite song? Who's your favorite artist
1: at the moment? Um, it's super gremlin. My Kodak black just came out pretty recently. I like, I like it. I think it's good for a pregame. Gets me, gets me in the right mindset. Gets me in the right mood, but my favorite artist has to be Kanye West. Um, he's yeah. It's been a little, been a little crazy stuff going on recently in the media, but I just feel like his albums are just another level. Like, the storytelling is how inspiring he is watching his documentary now on Netflix.
0: That through the wire story is insane. Yeah, And how they portray it in the documentary is so cool.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, He's, he's honestly a big inspiration and yeah, I would say Kanye West.
0: I think the craziest part that I've seen in that documentary so far is when Kanye actually plays through the wire for Pharrell and Pharrell studio And Pharrell has to leave. And he comes back in and it's like an epiphany moment. It hits him and he's like, yo, this is real. And that that was so cool. What's your favorite Kanye song or album?
1: College Dropouts up there. Um, Mm -hmm. Or uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, for sure. Between those two.
0: Not 808 and heartbreaks, Man? Not all that auto-tune?
1: Nah. Nah, it's nah. Just say nah. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right, moving on. Willie Whitelaw told me that you are quite the sneakerhead. I see right now behind you, unfortunately, listeners won't be able to see it. You have a whole rack of shoes. What's your favorite pair of sneakers that you have? And since we're on the topic of style, who is the best dressed on the reps?
1: Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny because uh, before I got to the pros, I didn't have too many shoes. Uh, I signed for New Balance my rookie year. Um, and since then, I've just been collecting New Balance shoes. So I probably have over 100 pairs now. Um, so my favorite pair right now, I'll have to say the New Balance 550s pretty fresh mm-hmm.
0: they're kind of or, fresh uh,
1: <laughs> or the 997s of uh, like anything in the 900s uh, i like um uh, but the best rest on the team it's a tough one i know a lot of guys want the title but for me it's it's gustavo Bo. i don't know it's always like it seems like he's not trying and i always like his outfits every day his shoes i feel like he's just got so many different pairs of shoes clothes like it's always different and like even we had like the we had the scrimmage against the usl team and Gustavo's coming in like the cameras out there. Like I'm like yo, I'm coming in in sweatpants and I'm just like yo, save that for like match day one. <laughs> like he's coming in with fits, so I have to go with Gustavo.
0: Your favorite soccer player currently, and your favorite soccer player growing up. Not yeah,
1: yourself. currently, <laughs> yeah, fair sure point. Um, I like Phil um I just like he's a smart player, creative, and he's got a good drive to him. And then growing up, uh, I used to. Growing up, I used to watch Messi, not Messi highlights, but Barcelona highlights, like on my grandparents, uh, like Xfinity or On Demand. And I just see Barcelona. I'm like, who is this Messi guy? Because I didn't know that much about football or soccer back then. Um, But I would always see Messi. And uh, I think Messi was a a big inspiration for me. So I would say Messi and then also Ramalinho. I just love the way uh, he always played with a smile on his face and just having fun out there.
0: I can see that Ronaldinho has definitely worn off on you in that regard. (laughs) Definitely always having a smile on your face. Um, That's, it's, it's really fun to see. Who's your team that you support like in Europe or outside of MLS?
1: Yeah. um, Like I said, I didn't watch that much soccer growing up. uh, But when I got to college, I started watching more Premier League. um, So I started supporting Manchester United. I think a big part of that was uh, that's when the Raps first broke onto the scene. And then Jesse Lingard was there, too, having a great year. And I like Jesse Lingard. And then Pogba was there, too, just doing the celebrations. Like, again, having fun out there. I, I thought Rasper was a great player, exciting, fast, direct. Just I was like, all right, this is the team I'm supporting.
0: <laughs> I'm an Arsenal fan, so oh. take that for what it is. <laughs> Would you rather score a Panenka PK or a 30-yard rocket?
1: 30-yard rocket, for sure.
0: Yeah, I thought this was an easy question, but somebody, somebody hit me up with, I was like, gotta ask. Yeah. <laughs> this one's always interesting. If you give me a good enough answer, I may title the podcast after this. If you had to write your own autobiography telling me your life story up until this point, what would you call it?
1: Maybe like The Ascension.
0: I like it. Yeah. Why? Uh, ah, we'll get like, into
1: it. Yeah, we'll get into it. We'll get into it.
0: <laughs> All right, so let's get into the soccer so we can talk about that. With the opening okay. match of the 2022 season in the books, you've reached a couple more milestones in your career. And just over three seasons after being selected 11th overall in the 2019 Super Draft, you have appeared in 70 MLS matches and surpassed the 5,000-minute mark. So congratulations on that. That's huge. Thank you. That's not something a lot of MLS Super Draft picks can say, unless you get drafted to the revs, of course. Looking back to the day that you got drafted, did you think that this sort of success would be possible so early in your career? And what has it meant to you to share this early career success with the Revs and their fans?
1: Yeah, no, it's been great. Um, Did I think I expect this much success? I would say I did. You know, I'm a pretty optimistic person, have a lot of self-belief. And, um, yeah, I expected some success. But, honestly, the success that we've had as a team, Honestly, not really, because when I first got here, we were struggling, you know, Brad Frito got fired and, we, you know, we were the one of the worst teams in the league and in the East as well. So, you know, we had a, a low point in the beginning. Um, so to, I think two years later, you know, when the supporters shield and break the points record, it's, it's pretty crazy, you know, uh, <laughs> how much we we grown as a team and, and gotten better and to just be amongst like, the best teams in the MLS now. Um, so I would say yes and no, you know, um. I definitely expected to have a successful career. I'm um, always believed in myself, and I know a lot of super draft picks don't don't make it in the MLS or they have to go to the USL. So, definitely a blessing. I'm uh, Happy to be with the Revs. They gave me the opportunity, um, and I feel like I've taken advantage of it. So, it's it's really been a blessing.
0: Yeah, the reason I ask you as a former super draft pick is at the beginning of every MLS season, or at least the past two, I've interviewed a number of first and second round draft picks, and of the seven that i've interviewed one has signed a a first team contract Uh, but looking at this revs roster and it's your the construction of it and this last match versus the timbers six of your 11 revolution starters were former mls super draft picks so revisiting last year's motto of excuse me for a second while i scream these are the guys this is the team that broke the mls points (laughs) record what does this say about the importance of the super draft? And do you guys draw motivation from the idea that people are surprised that you were the guys rewriting MLS record books?
1: I mean, it's special, you know. I think there's a lot of great players across the United States. Um, for a guy like myself, I chose not to play academy soccer. Um, I had had opportunities to. I mean, it would have been farther travel, maybe an hour and a half each way to get there. But I, I had a club team that I wanted to stay loyal to, who needed me, and then also my high school team went on to win two state championships with them and, you know, get the Gatorade State Player of the Year, Mr. Soccer awards in high school and just have that full high school experience. So, you know, everyone takes a different route. So for so many of the super draft guys to to make it, you know, and to be part of a historic team like that was was definitely special. And it just shows that they're still there's still great talent, you know, coming out of college and not just always through the academy.
0: And for that second part of the question, do you guys draw motivation from teams looking at this? Like, Oh, these are six MLS super draft guys. And a lot of teams now are going out and picking from South American stuff. And you guys are doing this basically pulling kids straight out of college and throwing them right into the mixer. And you guys are getting it done at the highest level.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you pull motivation from it. I mean, I guess it is like kind of a chip on our shoulder, you know, Um, just guys, not, not expecting much, you know, from college players, but, you know, we're just showing that, you know, if you, st- if you stick to it, you work hard and, you know, believe in yourself, then you can make it happen.
0: So before you were drafted, you lit the Big Ten on fire for Michigan State, recording 16 goals and 14 assists, predominantly as a right winger, and you started five games in your rookie season with the Revs in the midfield. And then week 12 of your rookie season happened. In the 35th minute, you subbed on for Edgar Castillo at left back and the rest is history. First of all, was the idea of converting you to a left back discussed before Mike Lapper called your name? And what were your thoughts on making the switch to the left back initially?
1: Yeah, great question. A funny story, Uh, right when I got drafted by Friedel, I think maybe a week or two in the preseason, uh, Lapper was like, I think you make a great outside back. And I'm just like, no, no, no. I don't want to hear that. (laughs) Like, I'm a winger. I'm a winger. I'm an attacking player. Because, you know, up until – the professional level I never played outside back never really defended in my life I mean at Michigan State I played winger and we had to do quite a bit of defending like that's a lot from the wingers but I'd never just been like an outside back before so it's definitely was an adjustment and you know after Frito got fired and Lapper took over he was like hey Duan like I want I want to see you at outside back and I'm like no um and then in that game in Montreal I think uh Edgar got beat a couple of times down the line for pace. And then I think he also had a little nick. So Lapper's like, Duan, start warming up. I'm like, oh, wow, <laughs> it's happening. And then I get in there and I felt great. Um, I think, I don't know if you remember, but that's the game where I had like the 60 yard run down the sideline. Did the Ronaldo chop through the guy's legs. And then that like went viral on 433. all these big Instagram accounts. Um, and then from there, um, I think we played against LA Galaxy a few games later, right before Bruce took over. Had another solid performance, and then when Bruce and the staff took over, I was they just saw me as a, as a left back. Um, so yeah, it was quite the transition. Um, but I think for me, uh, with my skill set of just my stamina and my speed, um, being able to get up and down, it's kind of a good it's a good position for me, honestly, um, just because I can do it. You know, I still feel like I could contribute a lot in the attack, and in the system that we're playing now, i um, Bruce gives me the the freedom to to still get forward and, and still attack. Um, obviously, with more defensive responsibilities. But um, so, yeah, it's been great.
0: So, you already touched on my follow up question, which was great. It was exactly <laughs> about your skill set and your mentality and, and how that's helped you adjust. But a question I did get from fans mm-hmm. something that Revs seem to do and do it pretty successfully is bring in these college kids that play one position and transition them into a, a different position. Look at you. Look at where Tejan Buchanan is now. You know, Tejan Buchanan got moved and then he, got moved back up higher up the pitch. Say the revs do bring in another left back that can that can do the job. Is moving higher up the pitch something that you would want to do for the revs? Not playing specifically the left wing back spot, or is that home for you now?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I'm definitely open to playing in the attack, you know. I, it's nothing more fun than scoring goals and getting assists. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy in the role that I'm at right now, but if they wanted to play me in, in a higher position, I think that would be great. I feel like I have a lot to contribute to the attack. So if I'm basically full-time attack, I think I could, you know, get a lot of production there and help the team score, score some more goals. So, I mean, I would be open to it, but if if you ask Bruce and staff, I don't don't think that's their plan for me.
0: So in your first two seasons of playing for the Revs, playing left back, you just totaled one goal and one assist. All right. Then 2021 happens, three goals, five assists in 2,546 minutes. Was there a tactical adjustment that attributed to your uptick in offensive production? Or if not, like what led to that breakout 2021 season?
1: Yeah. So my rookie year, uh, we had Chris, Christian Panilla and basically the coaches told me to stay back, pass the ball to him and let him go one-on-one. So when I was playing left back my rookie year, I feel like I just really couldn't get into the attack that much. And then my second year I was able to get a little bit more forward, but I was also splitting reps with Alex Butner. Um, so I, I would start and then he would start, uh, then I had an injury. So my second year, it was kind of tough. And then third year, uh, they basically showed their trust in me. They, they made me the out and out starter. Um, and I think that helps, you know, playing every week definitely, you know, gives you the more confidence uh, uh, in yourself and just getting those game reps. It's definitely helpful. Um, and then just in the, the way we play, they asked a lot of the outside backs to get forward in the attack. And then uh, even more so halfway through the year last year, they are just asking me to go one-on-one at guys when I had the opportunity. Um, so it really giving me the green light in the attack. Um, so I think all that helped. Um, and, yeah, like I just finally put it all together, you know. Um, so I'm looking forward to this year. You know, it was a good year for me last year, but I know I have a lot more to offer um, to this team and a lot more skills uh, and quality that I can show. So I'm excited for this year.
0: So between the 2020 and 2021 season, is there a part of your game that you focused on improving the most to lead to that 2021 production?
1: Yeah, just the technical side. Um, I would say, you know, getting sharper with my passes. And then also just uh, tactically knowing, knowing when I can get forward, knowing where the space is. Um, and then also defensively as well, just uh, tucking in off my center back. Um anticipating plays quicker and faster, you know, these are all things that I work on every day and I I watch a lot of film. So I think that's a big part of, you know, how I continue to improve. Uh, So just, you know, keeping my head down, staying focused and and looking to get better every day.
0: So 2021 was a record season for you. It was obviously a record season for the Revs as well, setting the MLS all time (laughs) points record. So you guys had that thing locked up with plenty of games left in the season last year, but how did it feel for you when you guys finally won and you could say to yourself, I was the starting left back for one of the greatest MLS teams in history.
1: It's an incredible feeling. You know, it's definitely a season that I'll never forget. You know, it just takes so much consistency and uh, to just stay at that high high of a level for, you know, all 34 games in the season. You know, home and away, we had the same mentality to get three points and, you know, to, to be pretty close to that for the full year with, you know, with injuries, with international call-ups, Uh, you know three games in eight days multiple times you know it was a tough year but I mean we just stuck together and you know it's a it's a special season and that we'll never forget but you know like I said you know we have another year so like we set a new standard for ourselves you know am I saying we'll break the points record again you know who knows maybe but you know we set we set the bar high so we're looking forward to following that up this year with you know another strong campaign.
0: When you guys won the supporter shield, it wasn't even because you guys just played a full 90 and had a dominant performance and one, you guys found out on the bus on the way home <laughs> to tell us a little bit about that and kind of how anticlimactic that, that may have seemed and like what that, what that whole thing was like.
1: Yeah. I can't remember which city we were in, but we were on our way to a hotel and um, like the team was split half and half on the bus. So we were watching, I think maybe a Seattle game on the phone and I don't know if they lost or tied, but you know, guys were screaming on the bus, but like, it felt kind of weird. But then right right after we got off the bus, you know, everyone was tapping each other up. Like we took a nice group shot. So that made it feel better. You know, Bruce gave us a nice speech when we got into the hotel. Um, But to actually lift that trophy uh, in front of our home fans, you know, that was a special moment. Um, Just to see, you know, how long the fans have waited for a trophy, you know. Uh, It was cool. Um, But you know, like I said, we got another year, and we set the bar high, so we got to follow that up with another good year.
0: So prior to you being drafted in 2019, you touched on this a little bit ago. You guys were on the outside looking in, basically at the bottom of the Eastern Conference table. Playoffs weren't even a thing for you guys. It wasn't going to happen. And then Bruce Arena took over. You guys made the playoffs, at a huge turnaround. And then two and a half years later, you guys win the Supporter Shield. Crazy turnaround, but Bruce Arena is uh, obviously a hell of a coach. Can you tell – myself and the listeners, just, like, what Bruce Arena has been able to do from a tactical and, like, cultural standpoint to do a full 360 for this Revs organization? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Bruce, he's such a great man manager, you know. He he gets the right guys and just has us all working together uh, under the same page and working hard for each other, you know. Tactically, he puts us in the right spots, but he really allows us to be creative out there on the field. You know, there's certain principles that we have, but he really allows us to just express ourselves and, and have fun. But as long as we stick together and, you know, defend together, um, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. You know, he gives us that freedom. Uh, he trusts guys and it's a good environment. You know, everyone's happy coming in every day uh, just to work hard and and to get better. You know, it's a competitive environment and he's he's a nice guy, funny guy. But, you know, when, we, when practice starts or <laughs> during the game, you know, you can see the other side of Bruce, you know, so. He's uh, constantly pushing us and I think that's what makes us so great. You know, he's never satisfied. We could win three, one, but he's upset about the goal that we gave up, you know? So just, you know, always finding the little details and uh, just trying to get better each and every game.
0: So your breakout 2021 season earned you your first call up to the U.S. men's national team in January camp and a brand new three-year contract with the Revs, good through 2024. Let's start with your time spent in Phoenix with the U.S. MNT for you personally what did it mean to you to earn that first call up and have a chance to represent your country at the senior level?
1: It's amazing, uh, you know, playing for the national team. I'm sure every every little kid who plays soccer dreams about that, you know. So uh, it's kind of a, a great first step, you know. Um, I'm getting called into a camp in the World Cup year. And, you know, it's a World Cup year, and everyone's told me how crazy World Cup years are. So uh, just to be, you know, amongst amongst the group of players that have potential to be selected for the World Cup is uh, is amazing. Um, so but yeah, the experience at Phoenix was awesome. Uh, just getting around the coaching staff, around some of these top level guys uh, in the MLS and just seeing the the level and the standard that they have at the national team was was great. You know, it's truly a brotherhood there, and they welcomed me and I felt accepted. Um, so yeah, it was great just to get in front of the coaching staff, you know, show them what I can do, show them what I bring to the to the and you know, what I could bring to the team going forward.
0: Talking about what you bring to the team and your conversations with Greg Burhalter, what does he think that you can supply for the U.S. Men's National Team going forward?
1: Yeah, you know, they ask a lot from their outside backs. So, um, you know, continuing to show that I, in my revs games that I can get forward in the attack, provide assists, provide goals, uh, get up and down, and, and just be a lockdown defender. You know, those are all qualities that he's looking for out of his outside backs. Um, but yeah, my conversation with Greg, after the first week was just that I surpassed the expectations that you have for me coming in. And then just to, just to not, to not settle, not be complacent or just happy that I'm there, you know, just to really take advantage of the opportunity and continue to push myself. Um, And then I had one more meeting with him at the end of camp, just letting me know that he thinks I wasn't quite, quite ready for uh, the January World Cup qualifiers, you know? So again, that's just another thing to motivate me, you know, going into this year, you know, like I said, it's a world cup year. There's a lot to play for. So, you know, that was that was a great motivation and I've seen the level now. So, you know, next time I get my opportunity at a at a camp or or whatever it may be, you know, I'll be ready for it.
0: Look, obviously, you started the season off on a strong on a strong foot. You got an assist and your your opening game against the Timbers. The US men's national team left back depth chart is pretty slim, to be honest with you. If you string together a really strong run of performances for the refs, do you think that you have a shot? to represent the USMNT at this year's World Cup?
1: That's definitely the goal, you know. Uh, it would be, considering how my career has been so far, to, to be going to the World Cup this year would be a wild a wild guess, you know, a wild statement to make. But, you know, crazy things have happened, so. As a, that, left, you know... as
0: a left back, as a left back, too.
1: <laughs> as a left back, you know, yeah, I, yeah it's crazy to, to say out loud, but, you know, I think it can happen, you know, and I'm, that's what I'm pushing for this year. Uh, that's part of the extra motivation and the chip that I'm playing with this year is to, to show that I can be a part of that squad and contribute. So uh, definitely looking forward to this year, just to, you know, show what I've been working on and show what I can do.
0: You keep saying the word motivation to me, obviously motivation needs action for it to have any kind of return. What kind of action have you taken since returning to that camp to step your game up to the next level?
1: Film film has been a big one for me. Um, practices, games, Everything that we do, I watch, I, I see my touches, I see what I did, am I checking my shoulder? Did I see this guy? Uh, just analyzing everything as closely as I can, taking notes. Um, and then just every day in practice, playing as if, you know, I'm in front of the, the US national team staff, you know, I have to, I can't lower my standards for anyone. I need to raise the standard and, you know, putting myself under more pressure than maybe there even is for practice. Just so when I do step into those environments, you know, I'll be ready. Um, so, yeah, I'm striving to be the best player every single day in practice, whether we're doing runs, uh, rondos, passing pattern, whatever it is, you know, just make sure I have a high level, high standard, because, uh, you know, that's what it's going to take to reach my goals.
0: When you're doing runs, you're winning those, right? I mean, you're the fastest guy on the reps.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm winning the runs. <laughs> Definitely winning the runs. <laughs>
0: I really like to hear about your mentality of never taking a playoff, whether it's in practice or game. That's that's so, so important. And, and looking at film and understanding and analyzing how you perform and how the players around you perform with you. That's that's so important. We'll, we'll get into analyzing some plays from the Timbers game later on in this episode. But now back to that three-year contract extension. Over this past offseason, we saw a number of young Americans get sold to clubs in Europe, including players such as a lot of these guys are defenders and guys around your age. Kyle Duncan, James Sands, Cole Bassett, Kevin Paredes, and George Bello. You also had a number of European clubs showing interest in you. So what led you to re-signing with the Revs? And is Europe in your plans?
1: Yeah. Um, I think for me, like I said, I kind of had a little bit of a breakout year last year, but I know I have more to offer. I know there's a lot more I can learn here with the Revs. Um, and, yes, yeah, so I definitely want to get to Europe. I want to play in the Champions League someday. Uh, these are all aspirations that I have, um, but I want to make sure that when I go over there, I'm ready. And I think this last year was a good year for me, but I have to show again that that wasn't just a good year, and that this is just the player that I am. And like I said, those my goal contributions were good last year, but I know I know they can be much better. I know I can be a much better defender. Um, yeah, I just I know I can be a much better player overall. So um, signing with the Reds here, I knew. I know my coaching staff, they trust me. I know that I can learn a lot from them. And, and I want to show that last year wasn't just a fluke and I, I can do it again. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to want to get to Europe and play in the Champions League, you know, be a regular for the U.S. men's national team. You know, these are all ambitions that I have. And I'm going to keep working and, until I reach these goals. And then when I reach them, you know, push, push for bigger things.
0: All right, so we got you at least for another year until Europe comes calling again. But MLS is officially back. And I must say, I thoroughly enjoyed watching your matchup versus the Portland Timbers over the weekend. A road point at one of the toughest places to play isn't a bad way to kick off the season. Let's talk about two plays you were involved in. First, let's discuss the Timbers' opening goal sc- scored by Dirona Espria. When Santiago Moreno received the ball at the edge of your Dirona Dairon Espria began his splitting diagonal run between you and Tommy Mack. Neither of you guys tracked him, and he made you pay for it. From your perspective, you talked about analyzing game film, Walk me through what you saw and what went wrong during that run of play.
1: Man, <laughs> we made, I think we made, as a team, we made a lot of mistakes on the play, um, myself included. Um, so, Chara's uh, running through the middle of the field. He finds Moreno, and we have two or three guys around him. But no one makes a strong enough tackle, and I thought we were forcing, forcing him wide. And then he ends up cutting back into the middle of a goal, which is more dangerous. Um, so as soon as he does that, I quickly take a look over my shoulder and I see Aspria, and he's like next to Tommy, and the play's happening quick, and I can kind of feel Aspria getting ready to make a run in behind, but I felt that in this moment, since it was I was late, I couldn't run with him, so Tommy steps up, and I feel like I step up a little bit, and then we actually keep him uh, off, we have him offside, but uh, on the backside, our other offside back which was just a little step behind me because also our center back, Omar, stepped up. So I, w- I thought I was the last guy in the line. So with his run, I felt that he was running and I didn't think I could get get with him. So I tried to play the offside trap. And unfortunately, uh, we had someone that was a little bit behind me, which kept him on side. But, you know, it's just a bang, bang play. It happens quick. Um, so, yeah, we just got to sort that out. I think if we can tackle the guy before he can turn back into the middle, you know, the play never happens. But again, it's, it's all about communicating and, and learning from it. Just said we'll take the point on the road, and you know we've already watched the film, and we we know how we're going to solve the problem next time. So I mean that's what it's all about: learning and you're not know, making the same mistake twice.
0: I'm glad you said it there, communicating, because you know Tommy Mack isn't the fastest guy, so he ain't running with DiRona <laughs> Sprea, so he's going to be screaming, "Dewan, Dewan."
1: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Uh, did like Tom, said, did we, Tommy
0: Mack say anything to you during the play? Was he talking? We talked. The play? We
1: talked about it. We talked about it today. He said he thinks he, he didn't say anything. I really didn't hear him, but again, I, it's my responsibility to also check my shoulder and I, I kind of saw him. So I guess to play it safe, I should have just ran with him or anticipated that this run was coming because I did feel him when he ran, but I didn't hear anything, Um, but I thought we can get him on the offside trap, but you know, it it caught us this time.
0: How good are the tempers, man?
1: (laughs) Man, they're good. I mean, that attack is lethal. You know, they're so quick. They counter very quickly and you know they're just they're good players you saw the you saw the bicycle kick you saw the pass the guy made like I mean these are these are high level plays you know I mean obviously we can defend that first split the first goal better but it's it's a great ball great first touch and then a good finish so you know that's gonna happen sometimes sometimes you know better offense beats good defense even though the defense wasn't great on that play uh I mean it's a great goal by them um but yeah Timbers are an exciting team and you know they're in the MLS Cup for a reason last year.
0: Yeah, my my first thoughts when I when I saw that goal unfold, I'm like, oh my god, what a pass by Santiago Moreno! I didn't I didn't even see Dirona Nespria's run. I had no idea where he even freaking came from. It was like magic,
1: because I was so focused
0: yeah. on the pass itself.
1: He made the pass. I looked, and I'm trying to see, can I make a play on this ball? And it's just the perfect. I I, I can't get there. That's what I'm thinking. Even if I did run, could I have got there? I don't know. I don't know. It was a, it was a great pass.
0: Well, that's neither here nor there, but. A little over a minute later, while Timber Joy was still sawing his log and the Timber's Army was still celebrating, you guys again took the lead thanks to your assist to the debut guy, Sebastian Lejet. <laughs> this whole play came off of a throw-in where you found Gustavo Bowe and just continued to run down the touchline until Tommy Mack played you in behind. Was this whole sequence something off the training ground, and how important was it for you guys to respond quickly with a goal?
1: Uh, this was not off the training ground uh this was are you lying
0: to me bro it looked like it It looked like a set piece from a throw in
1: (laughs) i wish i could say that it was but uh what you didn't say is uh actually the first part of their goal the first goal there's like a, a ball in the air and i'm like sitting waiting for it and then char comes doesn't make a play on the ball at all and just like kind of body checks me so i missed the header and that's what led to like the whole first goal so in my head i'm like i'm like oh my gosh that was on me like I got to do something right away. Like we got it. We got to give me the ball. Like I need to make a play. Um, so we had the throw in. And it's funny cause I actually I had Polster open for a short Carles check and he was open. And then I was like, ah, Gustavo's got his guy pinned down the line. Let me just, let me, let me try it. So I threw it in and then I saw that there was going to be some space. So I just continued my run. If he could somehow get this ball to me, I knew I could, you know, get a good crossing. And then he finds Tommy. I scream at Tommy as soon as Tommy gets it. He, he hits V1 in the air, but he he got in front of me and it was a tough pass. So he put it in the right spot, took a good first touch, looked up and Adam made a great run dragging the first two defenders to the front post. And then mm-hmm. I, I looked, when I looked up, I saw the jet, just make just great movement on his, on his goal. And then to finish it like that on his left first time was, was class. So, you know, it was a great goal, a great response. And, you know, if we don't respond quickly like that, who knows what happens that game. It could be, two one to the timbers you know so it was a great response and you know it shows a fight in our team
0: i used to do a segment on this podcast well thanks to my old co-host mike delaney shout out mike d it was called all the small things and i think you just said something right there that i would absolutely highlight is when adam Buchsa made that run to the near post dragging both defenders with him taking them to the touchline, and sebastian legit just held up for just a second and it's sometimes just those split-second things and one, one runner taking two guys' attention off him. And it was wonderful. But, like, as soon as you threw it in, it was an instant reaction from you. You're just like, I'm running down the line. And going to be a wall pa- it's going to be a wall pass off Tommy Mac. And Tommy Mac tried you again, man. He didn't talk to you on the first one. And then he plays you this, this ball in the air. And there's a, there's a great picture of you that I saw floating around on social media of you just leaping after the ball to get a really good, clean first touch and handle that ever so delightfully uh, that a lot of players couldn't and you just handled it really well and a lot of people we haven't even mentioned this this podcast you're primarily right footed yeah
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and they got you on the left and you're, you're serving <laughs> dimes all day long <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah uh, so what's funny about that is uh the first game when mike lapper put me uh, against montreal when he put me at left back he asked me because like i hadn't played outside back he was like do you want brandon to go left and you can play right back just because i wasn't actually right footed and i'm like no like, you know what, let me go left back because I'm confident on my left. My whole life, everything I do with my right foot, I would do it again on my left. And like I said, Messi was one of my big inspirations and he was lefty. So I'd be in the backyard practicing my moves like Messi and, you know, shooting it with my left or passing it with my left. So, you know, I, I'm comfortable on my left. So, and I, I mean, I feel like I continue to get even more comfortable on my left foot, you know, year after year. So um, I feel like I'm a two, two-footed player. Um, Anything I do on my right, I feel comfortable doing on my left.
0: And that's how it should be. Kids, if you're listening at home, don't be, don't just be a right-footed player. Don't be a left-footed player. Be – just have both, okay? The one's not just for standing on while the other one's <laughs> right. The one's not yeah. a plant foot. They're both for kicking, I promise you. But while we're talking about this Portland Timbers game, you guys have already watched film apparently. Is there any other takeaways that you guys brought from – took away from this game?
1: Yeah, you know, scoring two goals on the road is not easy. Yeah. Um, so that's good and then just getting a point you know you always want to start the season off you know going forward on the positive so getting a point is another thing we'll take from the game um and yeah just playing in a tough environment and and sticking together you know those fans are were wild you know the chainsaw on the on the tree going crazy we fighted we the noise so you know this team we're going to stick together we're going to fight for each other um and you know learning like i said it's all a learning lesson you know we we didn't get three points, but I think we learned some valuable lessons and some stuff that we need to work on, you know, heading into, you know, five cap champions league and, you know, FC Dallas this weekend. Um, so we'll take, we'll take the lessons learned and we'll take the film and we'll look at it and, you know, we'll be better next game.
0: Speaking of FC Dallas, that was what I was getting ready to lead into. So of the, of your guys' 13 matchups that you guys have had total, you guys have won just one of those matchups. Is that something Bruce has talked about? Yeah
1: not no. yet no but i was i think i was talking to my dad recently and i'm like i don't think i've ever beat dallas before <laughs> like i think i got maybe two two losses for sure but i don't know if i played them three times but i don't know something about dallas but you know this year is different you know got a good feeling about this weekend
0: yeah most recently i believe was the day before my birthday june 27th last year you guys lost them two one 2 one. What, what are you guys focusing on heading into this match is when you guys prepare for a match, I should ask when you guys are preparing for a match, are you guys more so preparing for what you guys do well and executing your game plan or kind of molding your game plan to what the opponent's going to bring to the game as well?
1: Yeah, I would say typically we focus on ourselves. You know, we watch film on the other team, you know, every game, but like for Dallas, we haven't watched film yet. Um, I think we'll do so tomorrow. Um, So usually we'll we'll watch film before in the training session and then, you know, they'll point a few things out that we'll we'll touch on when we get to the training ground. So, yeah, so far we haven't watched anything on Dallas, but I think tomorrow will be the day.
0: I think it just hit me, but Paul Ariel is probably going to be playing on that right-hand side. Was he in January camp with you?
1: Paul was there as well as Jesus (laughs) Ferreira.
0: Oh, man, what's what's that going to be like playing against those two guys again? It's going to be all fun, you know, dapping it up before the game, trading jerseys after. Obviously, you guys are trying to get some dubs, but what's <laughs> that, that going to be like?
1: Trying to get some dubs for sure. Um, but me and Paul were like, we were like buddies throughout the whole camp because we rode in the same car together a to training. We were lunch or table partners for every meal. Uh, and then Jesus as well, same table, same uh, same ride to training. So it's going to be interesting, you know? Um, I mean, again, it's, it's all love off the field, but when we step across those lines, you know, it's, I and mean, we're all battling, we all want to get three points for our clubs. So I think it will be fun, you know, hopefully a, a nice Jersey exchange after the game as well.
0: US men's national team fans, please be sure to tune into this one. It's going to be a big one, but you got one game down 33 to go, including this weekend. What are the revolution's goals for this 2022 season?
1: Man, just to, to be competitive, you know, uh, I mean, last year we won the supporters show, which is awesome, but, you know, we didn't, we didn't do it in the playoffs. So, I mean, the main thing is just getting ready for the playoffs. Obviously we want to have a strong campaign, win games on the road, take care of games at home, but we want to be built for, for the playoffs this year. We want to go into the playoffs ready on fire and, and motivate it. You know, we, we've had some, we had an early exit last year, a strong campaign the year before in the playoffs, but you know, MLS cup is the ultimate thing. Sporter Shield's great, but without the MLS cup, it's just, It's not the same, you know? So this year we just want to continue to build as a team, um, continue to get better and yeah, have a great year.
0: Any personal goals?
1: Personal goals? Um,
0: Concrete, not just get better. Any any concrete (laughs) goals?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be nice to be on the MLS best 11 this year. Yes, sir. uh, Individually um, uh, make the all-star game. Yeah, I don't want to throw out any numbers. I have numbers. I got you. That's that's. I don't, to, I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to throw them out, but definitely contribute to a lot of goals this year.
0: I got you. I got two more questions for you, <laughs> listeners. You won't be able to see it, but behind Dewan right now is a picture of Dewan and Brandon By. Both guys played collegiately in Michigan. What's your relationship with Brandon By like?
1: It's great. You know, definitely my best friend on the team. Uh, we we have similar stories, I guess you could say. Uh, both from Michigan, we played against each other in high school our dads have known each other for like all these years before we even knew each other, um, both played like wingers in college, and now we're playing outside backs. Um, so yeah, it's funny cause I actually reached out to Brandon. I didn't really know him, but I reached out to him before the combine cause I know he had a good combine. Um, so I reached out to him, asked him a few things, asked him about agents and things like that. And then a week later we're driving to the same team, you know? <laughs> so it's funny how things like that work out. Um, but he's been a good friend, you know, he's, he's given me a lot of advice on this, my rookie year on the switch to outside back. So it's been a good friend, a good teammate and, you know, again, someone that can, we can improve together. We we challenge each other. We're always competing. So who's going to have more assists this year? Who's going to score more goals, you know, friendly competition that, you know, will you know, get, get, uh, get us both competing at our highest levels.
0: Any final thoughts for new England revolution fans?
1: Strap in, you know, it's going to be an exciting year. We always keep it exciting. (laughs) Just like the first game of the year in Portland. I mean, Hopefully our exciting games will end in, in more victories than ties and losses. But uh yeah, it's gonna be a good year. Um CONCACAF Champions League, that's exciting. You know, we're really excited for that. A lot of games this year, a lot of different competitions. So it's gonna it's gonna be a great year. So just you know, keep believing in us and keep supporting us. And we'll see you guys uh in November MLS we'll Cup.
0: <laughs> well, they'll see you, they'll see you this Saturday.
1: We'll see us on Saturday. We'll see us on Saturday. We'll take it game by game.
0: Yeah. Well, Dewan, I'm rooting for you, man. You got a fan in me. I hope you – I wish you all the success for the New England Revolution this year. And, you know, we talked about it earlier. Hope to see you on the U.S. Men's National Team, man, especially in some qualifiers. And go prove yourself there. And who knows? You might be in the World Cup.
1: Man, yeah, that would be great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on.
0: Listeners, thanks for tuning into MLS Gone Wild Season 4, Episode 8, featuring New England Revolution left back DeJuan Jones. The Revs kick off the slate of MLS Week 2 action on Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ESPN+. Be sure to watch that one and make sure to pay very close attention because if you blink, I promise you will miss Dewan Jones flying up and down that left flank. Enjoy all the MLS action this weekend. I'll catch you guys next week. Peace.